Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to today's podcast of Your Ultimate Life. Today's episode 730. I'm really excited to have a special guest today, Oliver Schirach. And he comes to us from Switzerland, and I had to practice to get that last name right. Welcome to the show, Oliver. Thanks. Yeah, I'm Swiss, but I live in Denmark. So, <laughs> but we okay. found out that you, <laughs> but your family name Flukiger is Swiss as well. So we found that out as well. So we have some connection way, way back. <laughs> we do, and that's wonderful. So we were just uh, talking a little bit ahead of time about the principles of creation and the principles that make things build. And I always like to start with the f- a first question. So let's just start with this and, and we'll go from there. I, I define the ultimate life, your ultimate life, as a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy that you create with, by serving with your gifts or your divine gifts. That's how I define it. H- how would you define your ultimate life, Oliver? I was thinking of that answer or that question and um, this has been a piece of my journey for the last 10 to 12 years to find again my ultimate life because everything started falling apart Uh, with with the birth of my daughter actually everything fell apart and I started wondering what is it that I really truly love and thanks to your podcast and the different discussions we had in the last 10 days about i i made a declaration of my for myself like the declaration of self as as you also uh, have in your books and podcasts and teachings and um i just realized my ultimate life is when every day i get a step closer like the one percent as we say every day one percent closer to to that declaration it's like I am compassionate. I am love. I am supporting and helpful to others. I am creative and an idea giver. And for me, creativity is is really where I shine best or where I feel really good. When I can be around with people, I can help them, I can support them, and I can create whatever it is. That makes me really happy. That's where I feel really great. So that, and with connection with nature, that that's another thing. I really like to be somehow in nature. So that's fabulous. I love it, and everyone has their own take on it, different meanings of different words, and that's fine. Um, but I love the fact that you're about helping, and about being creative, and about supporting. So, so why do you think that supporting and helping is such? a naturally attractive, like people, oh, well, I like helping people. I mean, they say it all the time. Why do you think we are like that? That it's just like we want to help. We, we enjoy that. Why is that so much fun? Why do you think? Well, why do I think? It just feels right. 
uh, deep insight. It, it just feels right somewhere. Uh, but also, the, we have to be careful when we want to help if it comes from an ego place because we want to get something out of it or if we just help because it just feels right. So I think the natural helping is not to expect anything in return. And that's also the nicest place where you just help and you feel, I just feel great if I can help someone without having any hidden agenda behind it that I want to get somewhere. I want to have a connection. I want money. I want whatever uh, by helping. So just the natural helping for nothing in return. That's where it just feels good. And I don't know why it's it's very difficult. We we talked before about the law of the universe, right? <laughs> Everything is love, and love combines and love unites. So and I think helping and supporting others is, is love for others. And and then if we go even further, every we are everything, right? So mm -hmm. like, th that's what what the spirituality says is there's only oneness. And we're just different aspects of the one. So talking to you, I'm talking to myself. The listeners which listen, listen to themselves. Uh, so helping others is helping yourself. So that's kind of, it feels like a natural path. So I want to I just repeat a couple of things that you said. One of the things that I like to say, and I don't say it probably nearly enough in the episodes, is when... When you listeners, whenever you listen to this, I want you to hear it about yourself. I mean, Kellen might say something about Kellen and Oliver might say something about him, but the real value comes when you say, how, how do I hear this? What does this mean? Where is this showing up in my life? And make it about you because that's where the real value is. Otherwise, it's just an interesting set of observations and stories about somebody else. So the key to getting a lot of value is to figure out how this matters. Where does it show up for you? And I think you said something really important, Oliver, when you said, basically, I don't know that I know, but it's just how we are. We were built to love and serve. Would you, what do you think about that? that's kind of how it feels uh, the more and more I get there because of the whole destruction of my my world being an engineer and having all this material not nearly as much as you had but it, it was meaningless um, because there was not this this connection of this you know support and giving and it feels so wrong when you're with other people and you just feel they don't support just because and help um, but then it also might be just on, if you feel like other people do not really truly support it, it could also be just a mirror from yourself that you're somehow blocked inside yourself to actually receive the help and support of others, which that's is a, just unconditional. Then that, that's a really interesting question because sometimes what we project is really a mirror of ourselves, but you know, the, the truth, let's call it the truth. And I will say truth and somebody could argue with me. But everybody that I talk to, it feels like we are built physiologically and spiritually to love and serve each other. I mean, even when we do good things, we get oxytocin and other neurotransmitters that, are, that feel good. It just feels good to be in community and do that. So even physiologically, we're, we're built to do that. You made reference to some struggles. And, you know, uh, it, 
I, I would say universal or nearly universal. Everybody that I interview or talk to or on the shows where I've been a guest, there is a period where we have to unlearn the stuff that we were socialized and taught sort of in our upbringing and society and stuff like that. We have to change it all and some kind of breakdown and awakening happen. And that's often a period of struggle. And you've made reference to some depression and struggles. And it's important that listeners understand that this is pretty universal. So if they're struggling, it's okay. There's a way through and there's a way out. What happened to you that made you break down and wake up? Can you share a little bit about that process? Um, yeah, so also for the listeners, for some people I know, this breakdown is a very short and, and hard thing. Like they go down and half a year later, they're out of it. For me, it was like 10, 11 years, um, perhaps even longer. But consciously knowing it was like from 33 to 43, 44, I'm 44 now. And I'm still working on it and still like complaining about my ex-wife, right? And then like, shit, doesn't help me. Forgive, let go, move on, let go of these heavy stones, let go of all this burden. Um, what happened to me is I I think through my podcast, uh, I have two different podcasts, one more on creativity, <laughs> and that led me into the mystical and spiritual, and then the other one on depression and how to get out of it. I realized with these interviews of about 80, 90 people that reflecting back on my life, it's I started pushing down my authentic self one by one. It's not like one event where I, you know, can remember that I just squeezed myself away, uh, who I was. But it was just little by little by little until I became an engineer. As a teenager, I was fascinated by the moon and the cycles and how it's affecting the people and, you know, how people react on the different faces of the moon with each other and how you feel yourself, how astrology works and why I got along with some people and not so much about others. And I saw it, it works with astrology, but I had no one to talk to. That was one thing I just remember. And there's definitely more stuff, the creative uh, communication with animals or trying to connect with animals and, and nature and being told, yeah, that's all bullshit. You cannot do that, right? You're human. How can you communicate with nature? How can you communicate with animals and then just push that slowly away? And then you become, then I became an engineer. So all the mathematics and engineering, and that becomes the norm. And then suddenly you have your daughter. And for me, that must have been some other things, perhaps from my father, from my mom, grandparents, who knows, ancestral traumas or something which suddenly surfaced. And I didn't know what's happening. I had no idea. And just everything fell apart. And eventually, you know, you, you find some people which talk about spirituality, about creativity, and you go down and suddenly you realize, oh, wow, I've not been myself. I knew that. But for me, it was a very long and slow process of unraveling and peeling off the different layers of protection. I had first a cognitive therapy with Nada. Do you know Nada that with the acupuncture in the ears? I don't. Five needles. No, I it's don't. Five know needles. Five needles on each ear, and it's activating the serotonin and whatever hormones to calm down. In combination with a talk therapy cognitive and um she saw her essence basically in a meditation and 
And in the, in, in the same period I did that, I met so many people and they all looked at me and you could see there's a very small me, Oliver, four, five, six years old, which just started protecting, you know, one layer after the other, after the other, after the other. So and, and taking them down for me, it's, it's still a process. I, I guess for you, it has been similar. Just removing these layers of protection for not being hurt again. Others call soul retrieval because you give away parts of your soul um, in the shamanic world, right? They say like something happens, you see someone die perhaps, and you don't want to feel that and parts of the soul go away and then shamans can bring that part back. Uh, it can come back in different ways. And um, I think a big part of me coming more into the spiritual world was an ayahuasca retreat. I had no visuals. I had no voices. <laughs> Uh, both days I was basically in my body and the body just worked um, massaging and, and stuff like that but after that I was more open to receive this information I was more I was less critical I absorbed it more and I accepted it faster it's kind of like a barrier was removed of of of, of accepting that there's more than the eye meets there's more than the material world and what you touch um, and it's, it's still unraveling. It's still unraveling. So that's, that's fascinating, and I love that. And thank you for sharing it. The, I, I took away several things. One is it was a gradual process. I think it is for everyone, even though sometimes there is a dramatic precipitating event. Uh, you know, we've gradually built all this stuff that is from the world around us, and inside we have the feeling that we know there's more and we deny it and deny it, like you said, until some things happen that start the unraveling process. And sometimes the unraveling is slow and sometimes fast. You said something that I want to go back to because I love it. And it was about communicating with nature and communicating with animals. And people told you you were crazy for thinking you could commune with nature. Now that you've done some work, and you've gotten away from the fear to a degree of the stories or the criticism. Tell me about communing with nature. I mean, I support it. I agree with you 100%, but I want you to tell me about that. How does that work and how does that feel? Ah, that's, that's, I'm, I'm just dabbling my feet in it. I know I was more connected before. Um, I just tried out different things and the whole thing started I mean, my sister's an animal communicator, um, but she's also fearful. So that's why she's still stressed. And um, so I never really talked with her about it, but I had the chance, must have been around COVID 2020, I, I think, perhaps a bit before, um, to translate four books from um, an author, which was from English to German. And one of the four books was about um, spirit. Diablo. It was a black leopard, in, um, which was from an English zoo, which was transported to Africa to a retreat for big cats. And that um, black leopard was very aggressive. And, and the people which owned that park, they, they didn't know. They really wanted to have a good life for these animals, big space and love and everything. And so there was coming an animal communicator, which then communicated. And in this book, they have the story about the messages this woman received it's kind of like feelings it's pictures it's um just inner knowing 
And she communicated that to the owner and he's, he was flabbergasted. He's like, how can you know these things? It's not just fantasy. It's not just random. It's really specific answers. So I tried to, to use the protocol or the method as she's describing. And um, I, with, with trees, I've not achieved yet. That I believe you really need to learn to calm down the thoughts. You really need to learn to calm, to be really still, like to walk the Tao, right? To walk in between the black and the white, between the good and the evil, to be able to receive the very subtle communication from nature. And I guess when, as soon as you get into that, it's not so subtle anymore. <laughs> when you get there, it's probably floating you. I, I know some people which just like, they, they just receive and... And for the animal communication, it is, you know, get still, get quiet, and then feel, fill your heart with the golden thread or whatever you feel like love is representing. We know the color of pouring love over the heart is difficult to describe. <laughs> so it's most of the time gold, a golden line or a yellow line and Imagine it's going to the animal you want to communicate to, be completely still and friendly and open, curious and say hi. And if you know the name of the animal, say hi, whatever. Let's say my dog is Stella. Hi, Stella. And then uh, you wait. You wait for feelings, images, words, because we receive these things different. It's, uh, it's like this field of knowing is around us, but how our body, how our energy translates it can be clairvoyance, can be clairaudience, can be clairsentience, um, right? So either you feel it, you hear it, you see it, or it's a combination of everything. And so I tried that uh, different times. And <laughs> my one of my favorite animals is tiger, and I was in a zoo. So I closed my eyes. I just imagined the threat going to the tiger. When I opened my eyes, he was looking straight in, into my eyes. And there were other people around, but he just kept the stare on my eyes. I didn't do anything. So coincidence. So I went around the cage and then my daughter and my son were like, can you do it again? Can you do it again? And so I calmed down, I connected and the tiger just turned the head right away and looked into my eyes. I was in a complete different place. So the tiger felt the connection. I didn't get any messages, but I could see I was able to make a connection. And since then, I have not practiced enough due to all the being kicked out of my wife's house and trying to rebuild some kind of a work life and stable life. But I feel like I'm getting better and better now. I feel also happier and more calm. And um, so that's the way to communicate with animals. And so the first step is seeing the animal react on, on, on the try and then just keep on doing it. It's like, how do you run a marathon? <laughs> you won't do it the first day. It's like one step at a time. And what I know from a friend, uh, he says the key to understand what nature tells you, what you know, to get the input, the key to open the lock is your heart. So basically it's the same to get connected. Um, and we also know from the Half Math Institute that the heart is uh, sending out a really big magnetic field the strongest magnetic field from our body comes from our heart so i so would say a, yeah. so it just, must be like brain heart connection when you really get you know like 
Tony Robbins is sharing that, uh, but that's from the Half Math Institute, is putting the, the hand on the heart. Jesus was talking about it. Many, many spiritual, mystical people talk about it. Put the hand in the vicinity of your heart, or both hands, prayer, one hand, and calm down. Think of a moment you really love, a moment you're really grateful for. For me, it's the easiest way to get there is to think of my daughter's birth because she was the first and, the, and my son. So I'm not separating them. So I get both and then breathe deep in. And you start feeling the warmth, the heat coming from the heart. I think that's a good start. So this is fascinating because you've described nature. You've described animals. And yesterday when we had a chance to visit for your podcast, you know, I did get a chance to get acquainted with your dog. And I could see the way that you felt about her. And what I notice is that calming down, allowing your heart to be the center of attention when you're completely calm, that is also the way that we connect to the divine, to spirit, to all of those things. So when we, you know, nature, animals, that it all came from the creation that we did. And, and so whether that communication is the spirit of an animal or the living breath of the earth or the divine, the process of stilling our busyness so that we can hear. Because my experience is that the messages from the divine are soft. They don't generally come with a lot of fanfare, and when we don't turn down the volume, we can't hear them. And so you've given instructions, you, you related it to nature and to animals, but it's the same in meditation or reaching to the infinite or sending loving kindness to someone else or everybody else or anything that you're, you know, that you're trying to accomplish. As you practice this, how do you notice it changing who you are being? And again, for, for me, it's a very slow process. Uh, and I think I've been trying so many different things, and that's also where I have to be careful. I just a talk before when I went to the dog forest, a friend from Greece called me and said, can you douse for me, uh, go to the Akashic Records and find out a few things? And then I'm like, and what will that help you? So I realized I've been going from modality to modality to modality to, to learn more. Uh, but what I can clearly see in the moment, the feeling, the clearness I have in my head and, and the way I've been working the last three weeks, uh, even though it's early for me to get up at six in the morning, I'm not an early person, but I have not been stressed. I've not been anxious. I've not exploded. I was just very calm and very focused. And I just was working. I'm like, Something is different the last three, four weeks. I, I don't know what it is, but I would assume it's all these different drops of different practices I did. You know, like attitude of gratitude in the mornings, 10, 15 minutes meditation of forgiveness, of gratitude, of visualization where I'm going, of positive affirmations for like 40, 50 days. Then um, three times a day meditating, 10 minutes in the morning, afternoon, and evening, sometimes longer, doing pranayama, one nostril, the other nostril, doing Wim Hof for 30, 40 days. Um, you know, I did just like all these different things, and I never had this big aha. Neither in 
ayahuasca, right? Where other people fly through the universe and whatever they see. And for me, it was like I was just crawling on the floor and getting completely dirty and massaging my belly. And um, so it's like very slow, one step here, one step there. But when I look at me the last three weeks, I'm like, wow, I'm just much more calm. Yes, I'm a bit chaotic because I have to find out how my apartment has to look like and I don't have the furniture and not the money and all these things. So, But else I'm much more focused and, and calm and happy and joyful. And, and that must be just the result of continuously trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. And believe me, there were many weeks and months where I just said, fuck all this. I just had enough. What is the point of this? I better hang myself. And then I had friends and like, stop it. Look, look what all, what you have all right. But when you're in this feeling, you just don't see the good thing. And in the spring I had, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 trauma therapies, talking therapies were one and a half hours, which is much better than what you get from the state because they have 20 minutes. You're not getting anywhere. And I, I was reading Jody Spencer's latest book and I tried to do his meditations and, Suddenly for five days, I just felt super light like now. And I had this discussion with her and she's like, okay, last time you were here, two times ago, you were really in the dark hole, really black. And you didn't see how to pay your bills. You didn't see how to love your kids. You didn't have the patience for your dog. You were overwhelmed with everything. How would the Oliver, which is like feeling love and lightness, what is the advice to the Oliver, which is in this dark place, which is so heavy, which is pulled down with all these anchors? I'm like, I could actually go to myself there and say, no, the Oliver in this place doesn't listen. It's just dark, right? Uh, not even any word, any advice, any support will help. Um, because I could just feel like when you're down there, it's very hard sometimes. And then the only thing that helps is just go on. We talked about, I don't know, I think we talked about yesterday, breathing, uh, counting to 10 when some emotions come up. Breathing in slowly, do the box breath. Four seconds in, four seconds hold, four seconds out, four seconds hold, or whatever. Uh, four in, eight out. <laughs> All these kind of different things. When, when you're there, it's like, Argh. So, So this is, this is really interesting because I was going to ask you, uh, what kind of advice you'd give to people who are trying, and you've said it already. So here's what I want to do. I want to emphasize just a couple of things that you've said. Number one, you've listed all kinds of different tools. You've listed talk therapy and breath therapy and, uh, you know, plant medicine, and there's antidepressants, and there's all these things. Here's, here's something I know. I don't know which ones will work for any given person in terms of them helping them see a brighter opportunity or a better picture. That might be different for each person, and that's okay. But I know two things. One, if you make a choice to take responsibility for your own life, and that just means trying some things until you find things that work, that's how you start to make progress. So you went to places. You were talking to somebody even in a black place. That's different than someone who's in a black place and sits home and contemplates, you know, negative things until they kill themselves or do something like that. So t taking responsibility means 
here I am in this really dark place, I'm going to take some action. And the fact that you've tried a whole bunch of things is fine, it's wonderful. What I notice is when I try something, I find something that works, if I keep doing it, I get better at it and I get better results and the results seem to get better. But having a whole arsenal full of things can also be a really, really powerful and good thing because you may or may not feel good about a thing today. So then do a different thing. Have several things. But the key is I'm not giving up. I'm taking responsibility to improve, even if it's only, you know, we talked about 1%. So a half hour goes really quick. We've just got a couple of minutes left. I want, I want you to reflect for now for, for, to close, you have a set of practices, you're playing with them. What would you say to someone in our audience right now that says that's good for him, but there's no way anything will work for me? What would you just say to someone that says, yeah, I hear all this crap and it works for somebody, but not for me. What would you say, what kind of help, advice, thoughts would you say to somebody that says, yeah, yeah, whatever, not for me? Uh, that's exactly from my last podcast before yours um, with Kelly, Sammy. And I, I like what she said because I asked her, what can I do with, I have friends like that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I tried and she said, you have to do nothing. Just sit there. Be present. Give them the space. So if, if you feel like nothing helps, the, the most important thing we need is connection. Uh, and that's one of the sicknesses we have since 2000 or before, right? We, how many people can honestly say, if everything goes bad, I can call one person. That person will come immediately, do whatever it's needed so I'm getting out of the situation. There's A lot of times there's zero. In the in sixty years ago, there were like three people in average, right? People could say one, two, three, right? And then, so if you really feel that, it's very important to find that person you can really trust, or 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 open up to someone you know, like could be a parent, could be a sibling, could be a best friend. And um, when you're really down there, actually, what you need is just to to get a acceptance it's okay to feel like that uh, and be in the presence of someone and don't get any advice don't get any this is why you got there this is how you get out of there because you have heard that i'm sure the people which listen to that they have heard how it, they got there and how to get out of there it's okay to be there it's okay to feel like that but we all need someone to really be together with i think so that's very important to find someone like that I love that. That's a question I ask people often when I'll have a long conversation. I'll say to someone, how many places in the world do you have where you can go talk to somebody and they'll just listen to you without advice and you know that you're safe? And often when I ask that question, in fact, 95% of the time there's a pause, they'll get emotional and many of them start crying, even the men, and they'll say zero. And so it is a total emphasis for what you say. I want to thank you for sharing your journey, for sharing your heart, for giving some good advice from the front line, because you're in a process of creating this for yourself right now. It's not like this was some years ago. 
uh, and it's it is here where you are now, and you are still working through and working out this stuff. Thanks for coming and being with us today, Olga. Thank you for inviting me, and thank to Angela to or Angel, sorry, <laughs> for connecting us. <laughs> That's your secretary, I think. I will, um, I'll tell her. Thank you. And I want to say to everyone who's listening, re-listen to this, because this is different than a lot of people who tell the stories, but they're a little bit further back. They've made progress, and they're busy in their service, and they're doing more instead of still, you know, building the framework and, and doing that. And so I want to thank you, you, Oliver, and I want people to listen so that you can hear that no matter what, even if you feel like there's no hope, and there's nowhere. You are powerful. You are valuable. I need you, and the world needs you. And no matter how dark it is, there's always a way to move forward so you can create your ultimate life. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, Please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is your ultimate life with host Kellen Flukiger. And your feet on the ground.